Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is happening? My name is Curtis, and I've got my usual amigos with me, Dustin and Cameron. How are you guys doing? I good. Great, great, great. We are in pre-release weekend. We don't have any spoilers to talk about today. All right, good. <laughs> which, which is great, right? Which is yeah, great. We actually yeah. get to talk about playing again. Um, and <clears throat> we pre-released, right, Cameron? You pre-released what, today, today, or? today, yeah. And I did a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. Dustin, you just swooped in like a vulture and picked up random cards, correct? Uh, actually, no, I did nothing this weekend. <laughs> I know, Surprise. right? <laughs> not a thing. Not it's, one it's single okay. thing. It's okay. I've got other people out there looking for foil black cats to trade into for me. You know, And I am one of those people. Yeah, and see? I am one of those people. So, Cameron, let's start with uh, your pre-release experience, man. Yeah, so uh, pre-release happened, and um, <clears throat> I went with the Hunt with Valor box, the white box, just because I had heard mm-hmm. that please, that was... Please never do that again. <laughs> never describe your color choice by Next. the flavor. But, but that's the actual text on the box. <laughs> You're lucky yeah. I don't start this show over, man. Yeah, I'll yeah. turn this bus around. <laughs> I will. So anyway, I chose the white box. Um, and just because I've heard that like that was the one that had the um, some of the best stuff to go with. Uh, mm-hmm. So anyway, I got two spirit bonds and I got the Hornet Queen. And so I went with white green and uh, threw in some of the uh, the raising alarms as well. Um, mm-hmm, ended up mm-hmm. going two and two, which isn't bad. Just judging on my, my, my limited record with, I'm just horrible at limited. I'm horrible at constructing cards myself. I need the internet to tell me this is the deck that I want to play. Right. So, um, yeah, but overall it was really good. I don't really have anything to say except that artifacts are, are like a thing again, it seems. Um, and I played against a blue red artifact guy who had the Ensoul artifact and more than anything, not for limited, but why does this card exist for modern when that deck is so good as is like, I I can't tell you like just like the guy was playing like staff of Magnus and to be able to just like enchant that artifact to become a five, five creature in, in uh, limited is just sick. And it seems like it would be a thing in modern as well. So it's. N- I don't think it's going to be a thing in modern. I, okay. <laughs> I I get what you're where you're going with that. Yeah. So like here here's the thing. So some cards in M15 have a graveyard theme, and people have speculated <laughs> about that. Some people are saying it's an artifact theme. You know, et cetera, et cetera. I think what's likely is that the cons of Tarkir is referring to separate factions that each have their own synergy, somewhat like um, a Lara block where there was one. Uh, shard that dealt with artifacts and one shard that dealt with more of an aggro strategy, etc. Um, Wait, that could, card could, seems- could, could you really quick just put <clears throat> this in lore terms for me? <laughs> wow. No. <laughs> On multiple planes. <laughs> now, um, Cameron, think of it this way. When you're playing a constructed type deck, you have artifacts in there that are tools for a reason, that are just typically really powerful. You turn them into creatures, you give them other ways to get rid of them. Sure. Okay. Right. And and the card you're describing is really swinging. I'm sure at that moment, 
it felt like a house, right? Oh yeah, yeah. When I have just like two one one white tokens out, and he has like this five five <laughs> creature, yeah. Dude, but when you're rocking a doom blade, like suddenly that card becomes you. You know, you're two for wanting them, right? Sure. So, sure. I'd say don't don't get too worked up about it. It is okay. an interesting card in limited, though. So right. yeah, you played against that deck. Yeah, and um, I you know by the end of the night, um, I or I guess afternoon. I, I squeezed by and got one additional um, pack, a prize pack, I guess. So, like, woo, I, I you know, at least placed it that high, I guess. And, and what'd you and, get out? What'd you, what'd you open in? It was a Soul of Ravnica. So, um... Okay. Eh, you know, I like mean, overall... Like the cheapest mythic possible? Probably. Um, I, I Really, I didn't really get any money cards. I didn't open up any Planeswalkers or anything like that. No but, lands, um, no nothing. Anyway, I, yeah, nothing like that, but... I was actually pretty happy with how this M15 is. It's just kind of refreshing to play something that isn't the Theros block anymore. Um, so, yeah, I, so, I don't know. It was good. I, I got a question for you guys. So you sure. open up these pre-release packs, and every pre-release pack has a oversized Garuk, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, and Garuk makes 3-3 three, three Beast Tokens, and they give you Wolf Token promos? <laughs> Why? Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I did have a kid next to me ask if he could play with the Garuk, though. He was really sad that he couldn't. You, you should have told him, go ahead and put in your deck, just shuffle it with it in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Be awesome. So I did play um, F&M before the pre-release, which was really interesting because there were like 12 dudes there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody yeah. wanted to play F&M before, and I just had the ability to... Um, so, you know, I played green, red monsters. I played against, you know, mono red sly twice, right? It's a Did thing. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, yeah, I beat it both times. Like, good. Yeah. And, and I just want to highlight it because, you know, hey, look, that deck, while I understand its popularity, I was talking with a gentleman, one of the two, one of the three people playing it there. This gentleman I didn't actually play against. Mm hmm. But he was just constantly trying to sell on me the fact that Mono Red was going to be the most dominant deck for the next, you know, however many months, right? Right. And he's like, here's what's going to happen, bro. Uh, you'll see people will start playing with all the new cards, and then Mono Red will sneak in there again, right? And nobody <laughs> will have any red sideboard. It's like, dude, <laughs> the dream is dead, okay? It dominated for a few weeks at Star City, not at the Grand Prix. Right, people didn't have enough sideboard. Mm-hmm. People were playing, mm-hmm. you know, three colors and being a little bit too greedy. Things have corrected. If you want to keep playing mono red, <laughs> goody gumdrops for you. But nobody's gonna feel sad for you when your, you know, your opponent stabilizes at seven and then they kill you with the Polychronos, which is what happens okay, so, every time. So yeah. this this is one thing that I'm looking at that I don't know if it'd be a mono red thing or you do more of a green red for the extra boost and speed. But with the new Scuttling Doom Engine, Shrapnel Blast, you know, and say the Doom Engine's out there and they're not giving you ways to kill it or they're not allowing it to die. Um, or, you know, you find you can just Shrapnel Blast. That's 11 damage, right? Mm-hmm. You're or, talking more of a big red strategy. Right. Or um, they think they're going to get away with it, just get rid of it, take the six damage, whatever. You can flash in Dictate of the Twin Gods, all of a sudden 12 damage, you know. There is Dustin, possibilities out there. 
Dustin, you're talking like a red player. Yeah, you're kind of uh, just my bad. high in the my sky bad. there. <laughs> I mean, you know, all of a sudden it's like, you know, your hand's full of burn and your opponent can do nothing and they're not going to do anything. Like, guys, right? It, <laughs> I'm not at saying the Star that. City level, it was a sick, you know, meta call and I totally give props to Tom Ross for that. But let's not overdo it, right? And why Mono Red gets so much more press at this point when Mono Blue's been really doing a lot of the work lately at these, you know, right. events. Mm-hmm. <sighs> just very exhausting. Me, hey, I'm just playing monsters. It's it's basically boiling down to do I have a great draw or not? And by the way, I'm finding that monsters mulligans a lot. I'm just playing the two color mm. version. I'm still mulliganing a ton. Maybe I'm just being too greedy. Mm. Maybe. Um, but it got pointed out to me. Anyway, you know, I split top four because everybody else wanted to get out of there to get pre-release. ready for their midnight pre-release. Um, but then I played the pre-release at what I call the married guy flight the next day, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I open, I do one of these. So I got the green box. Cameron, What's do you know the, the lore behind I, the green box? I don't box. know the name like of that one. I'm hunt sorry. Hunt with, <laughs> come on, what do you got, Curtis? Hunt with uh, what? Anyway, so I open that. And I didn't even know there were going to be color pick packs. That kind of doesn't make sense to me for a core set, but whatever. Yeah. Um, I just like playing with six packs and sealed. That's me. I open actually quite a bit in terms of value. I open a Court of Calling. I open a Liliana Vess. Mm -hmm. I open uh, a Green Soul. So, you know, I I have a what you might think is a decent pool, but it's very, very shallow. I don't even end up playing black because I don't have anything to support the Liliana. And uh, I put my pool together, I look at it, and I'm like, this deck is terrible. It is really bad. Curtis, um, yeah. your box was called Hunt with Strength. Take that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> if only it lived up to that um, <laughs> title. So, you know, I had I had uh, Court of Calling, I had uh, the Green Soul, but I just, my underneath that, like the lower part of my curve was really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, I'm like, oh, just dreading playing with this thing. And then right off the top, first round buy. We have an odd number of people, Are and the kidding? buy falls to me. So, <laughs> you know, hey, it ended up working out because somebody else finished earlier, and they're, they, you know, they're like, hey, do you have a legacy deck? And so off we went. We played some legacy. It was great. Of course. This is I'm, like the I'm new like the theme. king of legacy pickup <laughs> games lately. Apparently. I'll take it, man. Um. Anyway, uh, so round two, I play, and I'm main decking this Court of Calling. Oh, but what a rare does my opponent play? But Obnixilis. So I can't use the cord <laughs> to search. Oh, bummer. Wow. <laughs> anyway, I ended up taking that match, which, you know, this deck really doesn't do that much, but the soul ended up, I ended up getting to the soul of, uh, is that Zendikar? And then, uh, you know, making some beasties and winning. So I want to really talk about my round three opponent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Look, this is an awkward thing to talk about. I'm just going to get that out of the way. But we've all seen this happen where a guy will force his significant other to be with him at the mm, tournament. Okay. Yep. And sit next to him. Uh, now, Dustin now, and I have say, referred to this in force, the past. Do you mean like like chained up, collar, like Slave Leia and Jabba the Hutt or different? I mean that they're there. <laughs> What? <laughs> like she's forced to be Dustin, there she can't escape i don't right? even know if we can say that on the air but okay um <laughs> why not no one was chained up to answer your question okay just they happen to be there um <laughs> and, you, and, you, you know, tell me i can't and, cuss you don't tell me i can't describe things 
<laughs> right. So in the past, Dustin and I have referred to this as the token girlfriend. Someone brings the token girlfriend right. and they sit there uncomfortably and right. watch the match. Or sometimes right? they're sitting reading a book, whatever, you know. Yeah, you know I mean, and obviously it's it's possible that it could be a female player that has a, you know, a boyfriend tagging along, but you know, that's never happened in my personal experience. Yeah. Well, right. regardless, it is so uncomfortable. This guy has been playing two of the the one drop black guys that you can tap to add a counter to and then shoot things down. He's got right. two of those in his deck. And he's just ripping me to shreds with it. But the girlfriend is clearly just really uninterested in being there or doing anything involving Magic the Gathering, right. right? So every time after I would be thinking through a play and then I'd pass the term turn, he would look at her and be like, babe, I love you. You know that, right? I love you. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. You know I love And then they would kiss at the table. They would kiss right okay. in front of me. Okay. Maybe this was a distraction technique to yeah. throw you off Well, it works. it works. Well, it works because I was... Really, I mean, maybe I'm just a prude, but right. like when I'm passing the turn, the last thing I want to see is dudes, you know, make uh, the dude making out with his girlfriend. Yeah. So, so is, is this like, just like a peck or is this like, like church kiss or like, you know, something worse than that, right? I don't even know what a church kiss is, what that means, <laughs> but okay. The point is they were seriously kissing and then he would, okay. he would like baby talker, like smooth talker. Right, what? baby, baby. Thank you so much for being here. You know it means a lot to me. Thank you. Like, look, and it's all I could do not to just be like, dude, just let her go somewhere. Like, what yeah. is wrong with you? Yeah. Oh, and that's anyway. uncomfortable. Oh. So this is uncomfortable, and at the same time, he's just destroying me with these stupid things. <laughs> and, and that's fine. And then, uh, you know, the next round for my. You know, my final round, I flood out. I play against a guy that's, you know, a local dude that's super cool. We have a great match, but he ends up taking it. Mm -hmm. That being said, so I went two and two with Green White. So all that, I ended up with the exact same deck and results as Cameron. Hey, yeah, I feel Uh, really good today. I'm going to cry a lot tonight. (laughs) I really am. So, Cameron, how many people showed up to uh, your store? No, dude. (laughs) Um, No, but here's the thing, man. I actually have to give, at this point, just with one seal pool... Glowing reviews to M15. I really liked playing with it. I had yeah. a really great first impression. <laughs> Some of the cards at the lower commonality, I like. I'm not necessarily a big fan of the five mana um, removal spells and all that kind of stuff where they've made mm-hmm. removal more mm-hmm. expensive. Mm-hmm. But cards like um, the the Marshall or the Sunblade Elf or these kind of lower two-color matters, you know, have a mana ability, are just great and limited. And I love that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, so, you know, the value is also weird. I did some trading after, and I felt, and Dustin, maybe you could piggyback on this, but there's a bunch of mythics that are like at two bucks. There's, there's just, and I, we see this increasingly with a lot of sets. It just seems a lot of mythics out the gate um, have been low. Uh, I don't know why they're mythics. I guess because it's power level, but I don't know. It's, it's just really odd to me. It used to be when... We got bad mythics. They'd be at least five bucks at least the first week. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, just kind of disturbing. I mean, maybe that's just the market correcting itself. But you know, I went out and so I had a sliver hive in my in my pool, nice, and yeah. I played okay. with it because I had a one of venomous sliver. So in theory, I can make multiple death touch slivers, mm-hmm. right? Um, right? Which you know, I think the sliver hive is a one of in your sealed pool, no matter what, because you can just make dudes. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Um, but no, I traded that for. 
you know, a couple of these like $2 mythics, a couple of these souls, right? Because I just thought, whatever, I'll just have them. Maybe. Right? And maybe, yeah. I mean, what, what do I lose? I lose a yeah. dollar if they're bad. They just seem like really low risk and they might be a one or two of in the decks that they end up in. So I might as well just grab them when they're really low. Right. You know, and if push comes to shove, I'll just hold on to them and, you know, whatever. They'll become EDH staples like three years from now and I'll make my money that way. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Or, or you just start playing EDH. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, and on that bombshell, we should go to break. So, guys, we're going to move our attention away from the pre-release and talk a little bit about some digital products that uh, Wizards of the Coast is putting together. Neverwinter Nights. One, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Duel of the Planeswalkers uh, was released on iPad. I believe it's coming for Xbox One and Xbox 360 next week or the week after that. It's it's not out yet. Um, Did it come out on Android already, too? Well, you know, that's a great question. It's on Android and Kindle Fire, but I don't know if those things are happening. However, it's out. Uh, Dustin, you failed to get to it, right? But Cameron and I have played it. That is correct. And uh, they've been, this is the fifth incarnation, I believe, fourth or fifth of Duels of the Planeswalkers, which, uh, you know, Wizards bills as their uh, casual introduction. It's been a huge success for them and, you know, a, a special place in my heart because it's what got me back into playing competitive magic after mm-hmm. about nine years away. Um, so, Cameron, you've played it. What do you think, man? Okay. So the game is well designed. Playing magic with a touch, a touch screen, um, is every bit as good as I want it to be. Uh, but this iteration, compared to other iterations seems more concerned with making money with this free to play microtransaction mm. than wanting me to actually play the game. So um, what what are they charging you for additionally if chosen? So you can play through like the first chapter of the campaign for free, right? And okay. and it's really cool because you can play uh, it's like a you you have like the opportunity with what the sealed with the card pool that is available, you can build whatever deck that you want, right? Okay. So that's really, really good. Um, but I think I, from what I can tell on the microtransactions is you can buy packs for like $5 or you can buy a combined one for $30. There's also like the full unlock for $35 and then some others like just buying the chapters for $10. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, Curtis. So yeah, you can buy the entire campaign for ten bucks, right? Which but is regular price compared to un- what they've done years before, right? Mm-hmm. That unlocks the campaign. However, this was my experience, and I haven't noodled around in the menus that much. Is whenever you get past the tutorial, it tells you, "Hey, what kind of deck do you want to play?" Okay, and you choose one, and then that gives you an initial pool, and then you add to it as you beat things. But to unlock those cards faster to make your deck better. And obviously, for multiplayer, you'd have to like probably cook through the entire campaign mm-hmm. to get the packs. I don't know how many total cards are available, but Cameron's right. Like they definitely add this whole layer of, "Hey, buddy, if you want to get through this a little bit faster, get those cards for multiplayer. Mm. Why don't you throw thirty bucks our way now?" Mm-hmm. But if you're just looking to play single player, it's still a ten dollar experience. Yeah. Okay? But here's my issue: charge mm-hmm. me fifteen dollars for this game. To, lock, to unlock everything for me and do the exact same thing for every other person. 
so that we're all on even play in playing fields. We all have the same card pool, and then we can have a real competitive game of Magic in a casual environment on my iPad. Okay, that's so, what so, I want, and that's not what it feels like I'm getting. Cameron, Cameron, so that'd be like saying everybody at your local game shop has the same card pool as well. I mean, could you imagine if everybody could just build any legacy deck they wanted to and go to the store and play it? it, it it's With Duels of the Planeswalkers, I would disagree because this is such a casual game that I I want everybody to be on an even playing field as far as what the card pools are. Okay. I can understand that, but I, I, I guess you're seeing this from a casual, just play it when you have time, not so much a competitive type. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, if we compare this to something like Hearthstone or like one of my favorite like free to play games, which is like, um, oh gosh, I can't even. It's one of my favorite. I can't even remember. Card Hunter. And you, you must love it. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Card Hunter. You know, it seems like they have a much better idea as far as like me. I, I don't know how I want to put it, but like, I feel like I, I, I get to play more of the game. And I get to experience more of the game in this free, like in a free to play environment, better than what Duels has kind of set up. I just feel really down on this on this right now. I, I just I wish that I could just pay fifteen dollars and that was it, and I had the full system. And then when I play against Curtis, I would know that we're kind of on an even footing in that sense. Right. No, that's fair, and I think there is a ton of tension within these digital products. So I want to say this about duels before I kind of address what you're saying. I think this is the best version that they've made in terms of user interface. Absolutely. And the way the speed of the game and the way it presents the game information. Um, I, I think in a lot of ways, it's the best duels they've ever made. Right. Mm -hmm. So I really like this game. It's in a very weird spot because Duels started as a $10 downloadable on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they still have that heritage, but they clearly want to go to more of a microtransaction model with this. And it feels like it does neither one very well. Yes. Is that fair? Yeah, that's, that's a good way of putting it. And I know people are getting sick of us mentioning Hearthstone, but Hearthstone looms over Magic Online and Duel of the Planeswalkers <laughs> to such an intense degree right now. And, hey, I use Duels of the Planeswalkers as a single-player experience. Usually I do the puzzles, and at least initially, there are no puzzles yet, yeah. which is kind of a disappointment for me. Yeah. You um, say yet. Are they coming, or do they just take it out? I haven't gotten that far into the campaign. I see. I've completed the first world, so maybe they're later on. But, you know, the, the really intensive kind of, you know, referencing... Uh, what was that? What was the magazine Inquest, right? That had the puzzles, right? I love that stuff, and, and uh, I know I'm making a reference that maybe ten people in our <laughs> audience get. Uh, I bet a lot more than you think. May probably a lot more than I think, but regardless, I I just am not compelled to give it my ten dollars. You know, we addressed this when we talked about it last time, Dustin, you and I. It feels like a huge mistake to not put this on Sony platforms. I right. don't know what the rationale is. Uh, we can't see their internal metrics, so maybe it just doesn't sell as well as we think it would. Um, right. But but I do like the idea of Duels of Planeswalkers, to be positive, uh, of putting this in front of people that don't know anything about magic 
you know, I can give this to my, I can put this on my mom's Kindle fire and say, look, this is what I've been doing on my Friday nights. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I can, if a coworker's like, what do you do exactly? And say, Hey, download this on your iPad. And it's great for that. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like the product's getting further and further away from me as a competitive player though. So I see these games as, uh, a better gateway to getting people interested into the game. Right. And I think that's mm-hmm. exactly what they're going for. And that's the tool that they built. Um, whereas for people like you that do want more of a competitive experience, they should make a separate product, right? If they made, uh, a full fledged game where you could, uh, I don't know, basically like a magic online version of the game that <laughs> say came on a, a Blu-ray for PS4 or something like that had the entire library. Uh, you can mix and match stuff like that and play competitively online. It would, it would probably suit your needs right now. That being said, they wouldn't have the money sink that they have with physical cards and so on. So they'd if have to only, find some sort of microtransaction way to allow it, right? So if but, only there was like some sort of magic online is what you're saying. <laughs> well, I, I want to get to that, but I want to get back to because I to highlight one of Dustin's points because I think it was super important. I totally agree with it. I would love to see this developer, which is Stainless Games who does a great job with the UI and great job with the presentation and a great job with the card interactions, mm-hmm. develop a product that is for higher-end Magic players, too. Mm-hmm. The, look, this is their introductory product, and it doesn't it doesn't satisfy what I'm looking for, right? Um, but if you just... If they just did, like, a every other year, like, um, hey, here's five legacy decks that are in this that you can play through a campaign... And kind of teach people, well, I guess modern would be more appropriate, right? Here's the top modern decks, right? If they did, Dustin, you remember the world championship decks that they sold in paper, right? Where it was like Finkel versus whatever. Garfield. If they did that, like a top eight of a modern pro tour, and they just put it digitally, Mm -hmm. right, out, I would play that so much. That would play that so much. So good. Now, okay, so I don't know if you guys know this, but years ago, uh, there was a magic game that came out for Dreamcast. And it had real-world cards in there. You can actually you know, play against people, build decks, and so on. But it was only released in Japan. I don't know why this never came over here. It's just so weird to me. Um, hmm. But why can't they do something Probably like that? Probably because Dreamcast didn't sell here. And to, well, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you know, instead of giving us like an MTGO for PlayStation and Xbox, they could easily do something where it's like a block version, Right. Have, mm-hmm. have it fully constructed, like Innistrad block or something, and you can play online with people, right? And you can build any deck you want with Innistrad block cards. Wouldn't that yeah, make sense? And, yeah, yeah, and, and I think they've thought of all of these things that we're discussing. There's no way that, mm-hmm. that these things haven't crossed their mind. It just doesn't seem like it's a corporate priority. Um, and the philosophy that's aimed at us is what's happening on Magic Online. And you know, I just want to mention this coming week is the switch over for version four, meaning everybody mm-hmm. uh, has to play on version four, which is the new client. Version three is going away forever. And um, as you guys know, and I mentioned that, what was that, three episodes ago, I sold my Magic Online collection because right. I couldn't get the new version of Magic Online to run on my machine. Uh, I use a Macintosh and I have to you know, run Windows through all kinds of crazy stuff and it just wasn't working for me. Um. And there's been a lot of talk, a lot written about Magic Online. Uh, but I just, 
the the thing that bothers me the most, and I don't know that I've really, really clearly stated this in the past, is it doesn't feel very welcoming from a financial standpoint to new players. Right. And a lot of the people I know feel like they have to choose between paper cards and digital cards. And what Hearthstone illustrates is you can build a, a collectible card game economy in a much different way and get better results. I don't necessarily have a huge problem with, you know, being in game in Magic Online and how that works. That doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Um, but dude, it's too expensive for the product you're getting. Bottom line. Mm-hmm. And the corporate f- philosophy feels like we're going to get these hardcore people that are dedicated to competitive magic and siphon as much money as we possibly can from them. Right. Rather than let's lower the bar and get as many people playing as we can. So so let me ask you this. Um years upon years ago, uh they had tried some sort of like pilot thing where the bottom of magic cards had teeny tiny codes on them. You remember this? And you can input them in the computer and you'd have them on one of the online games. I don't know if it was MTGO or if it was the magic computer game. You remember this? I have no idea. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. Point being is we're at the technology now where we could easily say, if you physically own the card, why can't there be like a little QR code and you just like scan it with your computer's camera and poof, you have it on MTGO? Or are they worried that too many people would share I cards? I, I think they're worried about that. And I think they've, they've pigeonholed their economy to such a degree that they want it to just be a parallel economy to what exists in paper. Right. Which I, I, th- I think automatically makes it a restrictive environment. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Cameron, so you've, you've talked yeah. about maybe playing Magic Online a lot more because of your schedule. Yeah, yeah. How are you feeling about that, man? I don't know. I mean, because just the idea of, okay, I want to get really good with a legacy deck or with one of my modern decks. Um, and the idea of having to like just rebuy all those cards, granted they are cheaper on Magic Online, but the idea that I still have to buy those cards when I... I personally would just rather put that money into paper you know maybe mm-hmm. i won't be able to play competitively as much on a friday night but I, at least i still physically own these paper cards um that i don't know i'm just much more comfortable owning in that sense i guess yeah and i should say this and we haven't really gotten too in depth into this we are all very very much gamers we play a lot of different video games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the big problems with some of the criticism that gets aimed at Magic Online is it's from the perspective of people that maybe don't play that many video games or play just a few video games. And so they don't necessarily aim the criticism in the right way. Um, you know, sometimes you'll hear it compared to things like World of Warcraft or Diablo 3 or League of Legends. Guys, all those games are multiple, multiple years old at this point. You know, League of Legends is what? Four or five years old, and we're still way short of that technology. And I think, you know, if you were to go and ask a basic, you know, guy that works at Watsy that's programming, he has to, of course he knows. Of course they know. Mm -hmm. But there's just no way that they're getting near the resources that they need because the philosophy is, let's get a small group of people to pay a lot of money. Right. Mm -hmm. And... I just have a huge issue with that because it doesn't promote the game. Like anybody that's casually getting into magic, you would never dream of pointing them to magic online. That would just be crazy and terrible. 
So the the other thing, it's like, you know, we play these Duels of the Planeswalker games and, you know, they look nice. And then you play MTGO Mm -hmm. and it looks like I'm in 1998. That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, the new client, I mean, you know, it spruces some stuff up, but it's still the same back end. Right. And again... I, I, I've we've gone on and on about this, but in the past, like I think if there was a subscription for limited play, that would be the easiest way to get money out of me ever. You know, um, hey, it is yeah. what it is, right? Uh, but right now it's just too expensive, and when I can draft on Hearthstone for two dollars versus fifteen, right? You know, what am I going to do? I'm going to draft on Hearthstone. Yeah, um, that's just what we call math, children. <laughs> hmm. Uh, so speaking of math. And things that are mathematically related. Dustin, there are six planeswalkers in the new core set. There is. Six of them are getting turned into special black versions right. at San Diego Comic Con. Hmm. Uh, the comic book convention that doesn't seem to care about comic books at all, which is great. <laughs> right. right. I'm sure they dedicate uh, at least 7% of the floor to comic books. At least. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Right. I mean, it right. is a really big you know, convention hall, right? So It's a really big convention hall. Uh, so, you know, you got into some of these Planeswalker packs last time around. Correct. Uh, you know, and you were, I, I think you were pretty happy with the results. I don't know. I was definitely happy with the results. Um, as we can see nowadays, the last year model is worth a bit. Uh, Star City sells a complete set for 800 now. Wow. Uh, Jeez. Right. I mean, certain singles are still 100, 150, so on. Um, that being said, this year, you don't only get six cards. You also get a Nerf axe that looks like Grook's axe. Oh, my God, right? <laughs> I Sign know. me okay. up. Yes. <laughs> so the, the thing that gets me, though, is last year it was five Planeswalkers. It was, uh, I believe, $60, right, at the event sure. or on the website shortly after. And, you know, but they sell out within, like, minutes. Um, this year, it's six Planeswalkers plus that fancy axe. And it's like $111. So how much is that axe really worth, right? It's just really odd to me. Um, hmm. Anyway, that I haven't bought said, a Nerf axe in a long time, so I have right? no idea. <laughs> I, I wouldn't expect it to be more than like 12 bucks in the store, but I don't know. Nerf stuff is really expensive, right? Right. Um, anyway, that being said, I do think these will be a good investment, just like last time. Um, I think with the success of last year, they will probably print more of these because they know they can make the money, plus they've doubled the price, right? And as we've talked Mm -hmm. about, all they're thinking about right now is money. Um, Mm -hmm. That being said, there is some being sold on eBay. I think that it's the price is hyped because it was just announced. I think that right after Comic-Con, like that week, or weekend when everybody has them, there will be a, a pretty good flood on the market. I want to say right now they're going for like mid 400s, maybe 475 for a set with the axe, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But I can see these things, you know, dipping to maybe 350, 380. And then, you know, as they get harder and harder to get over the week, slightly going back up over and over. Um, I don't know if they'll reach the same price as last year's being as, you know, the last year's are again, I think going to be lower print and they were the first ones. Um, it is interesting that Chandra got a second, uh, promo done this way, but it is by a different artist. So at least there's two different versions, right? Yeah. Probably a more notable artist at this level too. Okay. 
Jay Lee, who's a comic book artist that's well known in comic book circles. Right. Um, so what point, Dustin, will getting these like the price be more than the price to get to the San Diego Comic Con, right? And then you'll be able to profit, right? <laughs> uh, I don't think we'll ever get to that degree, yeah. but it would be nice. The the thing is, it's it's so expensive to get into Comic Con anyway. Um, and then, you know, if you don't live close to it, having to fly there, get your hotel, all that other stuff. So, I mean, yes, if you can get these at Comic Con, it, you know, it's kind of like a rebate coupon, right? You are getting some money back, but all in all, it, it would take a long time for you to just truly make a profit if you're buying these straight from there. Dude, I've never heard someone talk positively about going to San Diego Comic Con, like on a <laughs> podcast or anything. Everybody says it's misery. Hmm, weird. So, then why does everybody keep you know, going you wait, year after year? Yeah, you wait for a day to go to the Firefly panel or something. And right. granted, hey, cool, Firefly. We all like Firefly. We have pulses. Right. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I need to like camp out for a day right. for that. So, so, so basically what you're saying, it's like when you go to um, a summer vacation with your family. It's like the middle of summer. Everybody's out of school. And you decide to go to a theme park. And you stand in line for one roller coaster. Buy some food that costs like a family of four two hundred dollars and then you go right back home yep that sounds like comic yeah sure yeah sounds like comic <laughs> that sounds horrible cameron yeah ready to become a spike oh yeah so most of the time we like to give cameron a card have him evaluate it on the air with us it's generally a card that sees modern or legacy play. So, Cameron, what's your card this week? This week we have Smallpox. It is a sorcery mm-hmm. card that costs two black, and it has each player loses one life, discards a card, sacrifices a creature, and then sacrifices a land. Um, so this is just like, like as far as like classic black magic cards go, this is this is it, right? Um, and I've actually seen a smallpox do- deck being played. I haven't played against a smallpox deck, but I have seen it being played. And um, I, I can't remember the name. It's like a a, a black card. It, like the the reason that you want to play the the smallpox card is to get. It's like a flying creature that it, I can't remember. It costs like eight or nine, and um, you can pay with cards in your graveyard and it costs like one less or something like that and then you use that and then that's kind of like one of your win conditions um so stalker is that what you're talking about i think so that sounds right <laughs> you saw a very unusual pox list but okay sure. Okay. I'm, I'm glad you figured that out curtis because i had no <laughs> idea where he was going with that <laughs> I, it was like one of those random you know just watching legacy play on you know youtube so yeah anyway that's <laughs> That's what I know of smallpox. So you, the reason you'd want to play this is, you know, to um, punish your opponent by putting their cards into the graveyard and you're rewarding yourself by getting cards from the graveyard to help you out. Dude, Dustin, we're kind of getting there with Cameron, aren't we? That was pretty thoughtful. A, a little bit. I, I'm wondering, you always start the segment with uh, Cameron, are you ready to become a spike? Will he ever graduate? No. <laughs> will he ever graduate? Yes. Will he ever hey, actually? Hey, Cameron, be do you still own Merfolk? <laughs> <laughs> it is collecting dust right here on my shelf. Yes. 
Yeah, sorry. He's still a yellow belt. We graduated him to yellow belt, and I think that's a fantastic level for him to be at right yeah. now. He's not a noob, but we got many rivers to cross. He he's only ever beat Mono Blue Devotion, to my knowledge, one time. So <laughs> yeah, you're in right. the entirety entirety of standard, right? So we're getting there. We're getting there. I'm, I'm still perplexed by his explanation of smallpox. I was lost the whole time. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> You could use it to play Tombstone. No, it like it it synergizes with him to Turok and all these other things that disrupt your opponent's hand and land, and then you play some threat. Generally, not necessarily Tombstalker, but then that certainly does exist. Okay, I, I've seen that as well. Um, but you're not wrong, dude. And smallpox you can get for like fifty cents or something crazy. You know, okay. it's a it's a powerful good card that is inexpensive. All right, Dustin, if someone would like to see your potato salad Kickstarter, where can they find you on the internet? Oh my God, I actually heard about somebody did a potato salad Kickstarter and got like a lot of money. Yeah. So so I knew you yeah. were working on yours now. <laughs> well, I figured <sighs> potato salad's been done, man. I better do deviled eggs or something. <laughs> it's true. Uh, Cameron, if someone would like to get a hold of you. Twitter, at Cameron underscore McCoy. I am at Curtis now. Our official show feed is at SpikeFeedMTG. You can listen to us on MTGCast.com, BrainstormBrewery.com, and our own site, SpikeFeed.com. We will check you guys next week. 